I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And it's February, and that's usually a month of romance, but this month we decided to do a month of bromance. So that's why we watched uh, the early 90s classic, for lack of a better word, Point Break. And here to talk about it is uh, Point Break scholar and aficionado, friend of the show, Katie Long. <laughs> What's up, Katie? Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I love that title. <laughs> yeah, you can well, put it on business cards. I will. <laughs> well, also, if people remember, we had to have you on this episode because we all did Blue Steel together. That's right. That's the right. Second, second Catherine Bigelow film. Yes. <laughs> the only two that could be on this podcast, if we're really being honest. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Strange Days has... Uh, but... Uh, I must say, I invite. Um, hope I, I hoped that joining me would be my platonic life partner, Philip Stafford, <laughs> who is also a Point Break aficionado. And in fact, we both, um, I want to say, like unprovoked reenacted that scene that you just played to a, a retreat that we were at, where it was not called for, it was not needed, <laughs> no one, it was non-consensual, and we just kind of reenacted it in front of everyone. So that, yeah, I love, I love that you used that for the first scene. <laughs> Well, just apropos of nothing. Yeah, apropos of nothing. Yeah, it was a talent show. I think we were at a grad <laughs> school retreat and there was like a talent show, uh, kind of it was like a Halloween theme and no one really did anything. And we like had worked on, I mean, we got a Reagan mask. I had like an FBI thing. I was in a full wetsuit like we had. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you just did point break. Yeah, we did that whole last scene. Yeah. Well, I think we can uh, now reveal, I think enough time, maybe the statute of limitations has passed, that, that we, we wanted to have him on the episode, but the whole thing was apparently he fled the country, you were pointing yeah. a gun at him, and he climbed over a fence, and then you That's fired right. into the air. At the was... airport, he yeah. flew right, right to catch that never-ending wave in the Netherlands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great surfing in the Netherlands. It's the not Nord, bad. The North say is... Uh, no, actually, um, uh, I have family in the Netherlands. My niece oh, is an awesome. avid, yeah, uh, my <gasps> niece is an avid windsurfer. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. It's quite windy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, she that's like one of her big hobbies is windsurfing. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, but yeah, also if he is listening, uh, we miss you, and hopefully we can get you on here soon. Yes, if we please. can yes. figure out how time differences work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> when you figure out time travel, we'll have Phil back right. on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, okay, so this is obviously a good place to start because, all right, well, maybe we should check in with everybody because I know Andy and I talked about this because obviously our pitch is that we watch maligned movies. Mm-hmm. And this one I feel like is in a little bit of a iffy area in that I think it is fair to say it was maligned when it came out, but it has possibly yeah. obtained a cult status and maybe has been reevaluated now. Maybe. It was interesting because when you reached out, I was so excited. And then I remembered, of course, the maligned movie premise. Um, I love the premise of your podcast. And I love the podcast, by the way. But um, then I was thinking, oh, my gosh, do they mean the new one? Do they mean the 2015 <laughs> one? Which... Um, Joel so eloquently responded, like, I don't recognize that movie. <laughs> no, it <laughs> Which was... I appreciate. To the best of my knowledge, there is no 2015 point it's, break. Yeah. I will say, I mean, that is maybe one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Like, uh, it oh. really is not great. Um, but it, it had me kind of forget, like, right, like, how... How was this reviewed when it first came out? I would say it has the cult status. I mean, you guys are familiar with Point Break Live, right? Of the, course. Sh- yeah, the yeah. show, the traveling show. And I do think that this has this, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's a beloved film, but you all would know more than me. Like what? Yeah. What the ratings were well, when it first came out. There's no, there's a level of ironic detachment with this movie that I think safely puts it in the maligned category. Because I think a lot of the people that quote unquote love this movie don't. It's not like genuine. Mm. Like Oh, but, Okay. Like Point Break Live is not a genuine like that's it's making fun of this movie. It's true. Or at least Keanu Reeves. (laughs) Or Yeah. Which, you know, nuts to that is what I have to say. Agreed. Agreed. Um, But yeah, this movie, when it came out, was like middling to inconsequential reviews. And then I think Mm -hmm. it was like really like home video and Mm. being perpetually on the USA network that it really took off. Is that what happened? Because I watched this movie so much as a kid and no one knew why I was watching this (laughs) for sure. (laughs) So maybe it was USA because I'm like, it was always on television and I always watched it. This is definitely one of those drop in movies. They'd be like, oh, it's this part of Point Break. I'll I'll keep watching from here on. I Um, and that's actually I'd forgotten sort of I, this is the first time I'd seen it start to finish sequentially mm. in a minute, for sure. I I did have that too, where I forgot how early the the shooting in the air happens. Like that, I thought that would have been yeah. later. In the, there's still an hour in the movie after. No, that it's like the that's like the second act break. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was wild. It's true. Yeah, and it is a long <laughs> movie too. I mean, it's not it's it's not some like quick fun like jaunt in the sea. It's <laughs> like it's like it is. It almost needs an intermission. Well, no, that I, was. Oh, go ahead, Joel. I was just going to say, I, I think the maligning portion of this episode is probably going to be brief, but I think, yeah, if we <laughs> want to try to acknowledge, you already kind of mentioned, I mean, Keanu Reeves acting is, uh, I, I like this phrase, I'd say it's a take it or leave it proposition, you know, <laughs> uh, but so I think yeah. you have that. And then I think you have, uh, yeah, it's a two hour movie that the first hour is markedly slower than the second hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 One of the comments I made to Joel while we were watching it last night <laughs> was that um, basically from that second bank robbery through the end is the pace the movie should have cut the whole time. Like that's incredibly well paced and it just, it, it feels like it takes a little too long to get that. And then it, once it kicks up, like it's, the third act is awesome. Like the last 45 minutes is no notes, but that yeah. first hour 15. Uh. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I also think that like, um, I mean, and by maligned, it's not necessarily what audiences 
um, understood at the time, but rather like, yeah, like what about this movie is not great? Is that kind of yeah where we are? Because I do think that in rewatching it more recently, it's like the villain, like I'm not sh- so sure that the the villains or the I mean, it's clearly like this dichotomy of like, ooh, are the bad guys the good guys and the good guys are the bad guys? <laughs> um, In a cop like, movie? Yeah, no what way. is a cop? Right, totally. But I do think that like, my guess is when Catherine Bigelow made it, maybe she didn't mean like Patrick Swayze and his friends to come off as like full on psychopathic terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> like, whereas like, I would say like the kidnapping of Laurie Petty reads to me now as like what like this is wild. Like this is just the most um, sociopathic thing you could do. And when I was watching it as a kid, I was like, yeah, she'll probably be fine. Like, I don't I don't know how to articulate it, but I think that like um, I don't think that it's as um, uh, nebulous like is Patrick Swayze a bad guy? It's like, no, no, he totally is. <laughs> Like yeah. this man is well, a murderer and there's a ton of gun violence where there doesn't need to, you know, like, I don't know. But I think that's that's an interesting point, too, because there's almost a contradiction of what I'm about to say in that, like, I do think the second hour is way more exciting than the first hour. But I also mm-hmm. think that happens because it sells out Patrick Swayze's character a bit in that. He, right. Yeah. And that, yeah, he's like he has this ethos. We we rob banks. No one ever gets harmed. We never hit the safe. We just take the drawers. And we do this, we dress as ex-presidents, mm-hmm. we got a thing, and then we live off that money until we surf, and then we run mm-hmm. out of money, then we come back and do it again next year. And it's this very clear thing, and then the second act, like, the second half of the movie is just him betraying every single part of that, of like, now I'm going to kidnap Flurry Petty, now we're going to murder people in the bank, now we're right. going to go into the vault, now I'm going to, mm-hmm. like, you know, skydive? There's a whole skydiving thing in the second half that yeah. also feels... Well- different and that's like if they'd been building up that even if they'd even had a throwaway line of all right just robbing these banks for money isn't the thrill it used to be we need to pick it we need to raise the stakes or raise the danger that might have not felt like it was selling out Swayze at all Swayze and Gromit and Wallace right Wallace and Gromit those are (laughs) the other two yeah definitely yeah (laughs) um but yeah no it's uh and that's the other thing like Keanu Reeves like really kind of dumb lucks his way into finding the exact surfer gang that is robbing everything too. Yeah. But, oh yeah. But I guess that they're doing that because they're trying to, I mean, it's funny to watch this movie now because we all know it so well, but I think it is hopefully trying to trick you into believing that the white supremacist who beat him up for being on the beach, I guess yeah. are the villains until we find out that no, they actually couldn't have, done this it was anthony kiedis all along <laughs> i i will the say the real so, villain in all of this i know it kind of was i mean and i i probably started watching this movie routinely on usa network apparently um you know i was probably like 9 10 11 i mean i just like loved it and it, i got such a kick out of it um and i love surfing i won't say i'm an awesome surfer but i do it enough that i probably should i should be a lot better than i am but this movie so informed my i approach the ocean like whatever i go in i always like apologize to everybody out there (laughs) i was like listen you let me know where to go i don't want to mess up your flow because this movie made me think like that surfers were just gonna slice my leash with a switchblade you know like it 
it's just such an aggro. And I mean, LA is that vibe, but um, it's so interesting. Like even the beginning credits where you have like surfing contrasted with shooting a gun. <laughs> it's just this interesting. Um, and I guess I was thinking about that. It's like, is the point that they're contradictory that like Bodhi's way of life is the peaceful like Buddhist way of life. And Johnny Utah is cut up, caught up in this like rules and guns and like violent world. But anyway, I don't know. The movie kind of goes back and forth with that of like, wait, like who is the violent group in this? And it feels like the movie can't quite decide. Which also is a hard time picking a lane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm also, I'm kind of having a realization as you uh, were, were saying that too of, is that just a description of the contradiction of Keanu Reeves that he is both, a laid-back surfer and a very uptight, the most badass man alive. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that it's like that's been every movie in his career has been a surfer who fires guns and yeah, like, yeah does, maybe which just is a laconic bro who can also kick all sorts of ass. Which is like yeah. maybe the funniest part of this movie is the first act when he's like, I don't know anything about surfing, and it's like, really, you don't. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you do. It really sounds like you must. It's like, I'm not all about shredding that sick gnar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But and that's uh, that's one of the other things like this movie talks about like Gary Busey as Pappas. And we'll talk about him plenty mm. later, I'm sure. Mm. Like talks about how there's this whole surfer subculture. But then, like, they don't show it as much as I feel like yeah. they should. Like, there isn't as much like surf lingo and like the general, like that vibe. It's just, he's in with this one particular gang of surfers right. that is also kind of the lost boys. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And I love how much like Gary Busey's cohort at the FBI just makes fun of him relentlessly that he thinks this group could possibly be surfers. And it's like, you're in LA in <laughs> right. the nineties. Like they very well could be like, it's not like he thinks they're Martians. They might surf. It's just such a funny thing to just like poke at this guy about, which makes me like think about the time that like surfing was kind of hitting the mainstream in a new way, you know, like this edgy nineties surfing that was no longer like, who is it? Like Greg long, like, or like, Gidget, you know, like on the beef, like surfs <laughs> up, you know, <laughs> like it's not like your striped um, bathing suit on a longboard. This is like shredding and like it's like empty. Oh, this is aggressively shit. attacking the waves. It's X right. Games. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it it's funny to be to the point about Pappas and like the way that nobody buys that theory because he really grounds it. And like, he's like, this is why I think this. If you look at the times of day, this is when they're hitting stuff. They only do it this time of year. And then he's like, also, I found this residue, had it <laughs> tested. And I can definitively tell you that it is right. board wax that is used on right. surfboards. And they're all like, get the fuck out of here. Right. No, <laughs> that, yeah, could be, not that could be a masturbation age. Yes. yes. <laughs> Which is a joke they make they in the called, movie. It is called sex wax. I know it is. Yes, they are not having it. Um, but uh, they also bankroll this undercover operation while being very. That's not maybe. I don't even know that I'm maligning it because there's no point to malign the logic of this movie. But like, that's clearly a big undertaking that he's doing this undercover operation that the guy who signs the checks is allowing, but very angry about. Right. Oh, p pissed. Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah, he's pissed. He like, he's like hate watching it. 
hate watching this investigation. It also is, I mean, um, I feel like when we were watching, was it Blue Steel? That was the other yeah, yeah, movie. Yeah. There's kind of these details where, like with an FBI agent, like as an FBI undercover agent, like one, like you don't do that in the the city that you're living in, like because you can't. And two, you don't give people your real name. Right. <laughs> like when you're when you're undercover, it was it's so wild how it's just like, yeah, whatever. Like we're just gonna pluck him out of Quantico, which kind of means he just graduated. And then you're gonna like put him in to this ring where where Gary Busey's not undercover, but Keanu Reeves is. Anyway, the whole thing is well, and the fact that wild. This is also they're picking arguably the most well-known Quantico recruit. Oh, yeah, you would never be able like, to do that. Yeah, who is has been on national TV as the quarterback for Ohio State. Right, right. Where, but like Patrick Swayze recognizes him, which right. is... Right, it's like, oh, you're yeah, Johnny so Utah. You, you broke your leg in the big game. Yeah. I know. He also I will has... say something... Oh, sorry, sorry. I was going to say something that doesn't quite hold up. This is like towards the end of the movie, but... It was, it's also... And the 2015 movie certainly supercharges this, but... Um, the evolution of big wave surfing is different and it's probably true to the 90s, but like the wave that Patrick Swayze gives his life for and doesn't surf at all is kind of wild. Like the whole the um, like now with like toe in surfing like this just wouldn't I don't know. It, was, it just wouldn't be the big like, oh, my gosh, like this 50 foot wave is coming and I'm going to surf it and I'm going to die for it. And it's just like, yeah, interesting that that. Um, kind of wouldn't be a thing now and like I, I as a kid i just remember him like yeah he caught the ultimate wave and then when you look at the footage of this movie he just it closes out on him he just dies in a wave he doesn't even surf he just commits wave. suicide yeah. he does it's it's wild well but they're closing in they they uh, yeah, yeah it's all they, closed they, out they gotta let, because oh. it's also i mean what we haven't talked about and i can't believe we haven't talked about this and we're 17 minutes into this podcast is this is a bromance month. This is a oh. love story. And I think more important than surfing the ultimate wave is that he must, Keanu has to find him and let him know that he could capture him and then let him escape because that is the culmination of their uh, ill-fated romance, you know. Is, right. Uh, yeah. And there's way more sexual tension and chemistry between Keanu and Swayze than there is in any other two characters in the history of cinema. <laughs> in the history of cinema. I was going to agree with you, in the, but I still agree with you. I still agree with you with that tag. I mean, it's wild. And the thing is, like, that you bring it up, like, it's not that Laurie Petty and Keanu Reeves don't have chemistry. Like, I think she's awesome. Yeah. He, like, but it, there's so much dripping off of <laughs> Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze that you almost like don't care about that relationship. It it, it devalues the Lori Petty Keanu Reeves. It love really story. does. It, no, like it genuinely does. A hundred percent. Well, <laughs> at no point does Lori Petty tell Keanu that she is like acid in his mouth. So that's how we know it's not as real. Oh yeah. gosh. <laughs> yes. She never says via con Dios. <laughs> via con Dios. Oh man. Yes. And I guess he, I mean, he throws his badge in the ocean at the end. So we, we, we are made to believe that like, that's it for him right now. He's not, now he's going to what take over the surf. He's going to rob. What was it like? 12 
hundred or twenty three hundred banks a year. I mean, it was an insane amount it's a lot. of banks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that they were, it was wild. Which also, where is the money go? If they're just surfing, it doesn't feel like they need that much money. That's to what live I was going to say too. <laughs> it's, it's not like there's lift tickets for surfing. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. I mean, they're like, and the other thing. I mean. I, as a kid, I was always surprised with this too. Cause like, you know, there's different swells at different times, but like LA, like you can surf in Southern California year round. Like yeah. you don't have to leave at the end of the summer. Yeah. It's really, it's really <laughs> no, interesting. Th- yeah. There's it's, I'm sure there's varying times when it's better and worse. Yeah. Or you could just go to Hawaii where you can surf right. every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It was interesting. That's that's all I want now as a character just to go, Bodie, I look not to second guess this, but. What if we just stopped the bank robberies? They don't seem important. <laughs> right. Right. It's like we have yeah. enough good boards. Like, yeah, plenty. We we don't we, we're good. And they for sure have like a Saul Goodman, you know, like a Breaking Bad, just warehouse full of stacks of cash at this point. That's just they can they never must. spend. Yeah. That was another thing in re- rethinking about it. Like that I don't like again, like the selling out Bodhi's character. I think I think what like the movie doesn't quite understand either is like even though they don't kill anybody and they don't like shoot bullets, like they're affecting trauma on the majority of the Los Angeles population. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know if they quite understand like robbing a bank though, even if you don't kill anybody. Um, even in, and even if you're like Robin Hoods, like all of the people in there that you made wait on the floor for 10 minutes, it's like mm-hmm. kind of the worst day of their entire life. Yeah. They don't know they're not going to get shot. Oh, that, totally. Yeah. Well, not only do they the F word a lot and that's yeah. scary, I think. <laughs> well, the way they talk to masks each other. are terrifying. <laughs> Wouldn't you think it was like performance art? I'm like, I think I would think I was in like an improv everywhere sketch. Like they really they commit to the character. Like Nixon in particular, it yes. stays as Nixon. Yeah, he's doing a gravelly like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, it would just put the, put the money in the bag. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a crook. Yes, but I'm robbing this bank. <laughs> Which I, I that is a fair question. Is it performance art? If we if we're Maybe. trying to good faith understand who Bodhi is is that can we assume that that like so he's a surfer he's laid back he has this very like almost buddhist ethos or whatever but then their presidents is that a statement are they saying something about capitalism i'm i'm trying to like i think so i mean like they go in there and they're like they we've screwed you enough in the past however many years like they are like dunking on leaders i don't know i think they're just like you know anarchists kind of right well also right? i mean it, it was wild it's wild to go back and watch all this stuff from the like late 80s and early 90s of i think reagan was a terrible president but man did we get some fascinating art out of it of just right a react we got that land of confusion video from yes Genesis. yeah yes yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it, yeah agreed and, and this was i was we had this debate um, on in our podcast about how like this was Reagan, I think was the peak. That was like a Halloween costume that you would wear, like someone's face, rubber face over your own face, <laughs> which was the most uncomfortable way to spend an evening. You're just, just like hot. breathing hot just and like you're, oh gosh. Condensation like, on the inside of the mask. Yes. It's awful. Yes. Um, and you're kind of moving your mouth, but not really. So it's off-putting to everyone. Um, it's kind of uncanny valley, but that was just like such 
such the thing. You go into any Halloween store and like whoever the polit- I'm sure there's like a million like Newt Gingrich masks everywhere, you know, like whoever the politics were in like the late 80s, early 90s, like rubber masks uh, for days. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely feel like this movie wants to say something about, yeah, who's the criminal? Who's the cops? What mm-hmm. what, what is life really about living? But then. Yeah, so I guess that's as close as I can come to maligning it because this movie, I love this movie. But like, yeah, I, I think it's just, I don't know that it knows what it's even trying to say, except like, I don't know, surf, brah. Yeah, I surf, don't think this movie, yeah, yeah I don't think this movie, know, it thinks it has a thesis, but it does not know what that thesis statement is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, sure. We're making an argument about the, the world and stuff and the nature of cop and criminal and... Yeah, I I think it's a little bit like who's really free, right? Like kind of. um, Maybe. And and to your point, Joel, I I think I would have liked more with like the um, if they had had blanks, like if they were not real guns. I mean, not that the, you know, poor people on the floor would know that. But like if they were really committed to not shooting the guns in in like the first part of the movie and then that switch, it might have made more sense. But like you are using real guns like and then and then they try to make it like go to the vault and that's this huge change that's that that they've never you know they never get greedy um but yeah the fact that they've got like real weapons the whole time to me i just kind of write them off as like they're not yeah this is not my crowd yeah i think that would be the interesting thing and you you're saying that you've seen the new one and i'm gonna guess it addresses none of this or or reevaluates any of this but i think that would have been a fascinating undertaking to kind of give mm-hmm. Bodhi a like a good faith rewrite to the script of like, I don't know, can you get it there? Like maybe they only rob banks of, you know, very specific, like they hold the money for these terrible corporations that are ruining the world. And it's a private bank and that's why we rob it. And there aren't. Right. A little clearer. You know what? I can't even remember. Like the new one really takes the first one and just takes all of the extreme sports and then makes each one like a half an hour. I mean, it's, it's wild. Um, (laughs) It's like big wave surfing and skydiving and then like uh, base uh, jumping and mountain bike suit, and dirt bike. Like glide suits. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. The wingsuit. Right. Yeah. It's all it's it's I mean, it's truly just kind of like a GoPro Red Bull movie. Oh, so it's very little dialogue. Like oh. I can't even remember. I mean, one guy like jumps off of like I feel like Angel Falls. I mean, he jumps in the pot. Anyway, I don't even remember the whole bank robbery thing. It's just these two good guys that like. And they don't seem as much in love. I'll tell you that much. Well, that's already you feel. Like, could they? Yeah. yeah no. They just seem like they? they like doing sports together, which is not the same thing. No. No. Mm-hmm. Well, we also, I guess we should take a moment to talk about the greatest remake of Point Break ever, which is The Fast and the Furious. Mm. <laughs> the whole franchise is just a Point Break remake. <laughs> it is. No, I, like, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if you, oh, so you, you're saying you didn't think about that, but I had that watching this where I was like. I've not seen it either, I have to say. I'm uh, so well, sorry. That, I've not no, seen no, no. any. That, I've we, had so many chances. There's well, so many movies. Okay, so p- close your eyes and picture this mm-hmm. movie, but every time there's a surfboard, now it's a car. Yeah, okay. Now That's you, what I kind of understand of it. I, I kind of know who's in it. Yeah. Um, no, but it, it's yeah. Like going back and watching this now, I'm like, wow, they, they 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 weren't even subtle about it. That it's Paul Walker is Keanu Reeves, that Vin Diesel mm. is uh, Patrick Swayze, and it's just cars instead of surfboards, and it's 100 the same dynamic. Everything's the same. He's trying to capture them, but then in the end, I think he actually does a, an escape at the end of the first one, doesn't he? Doesn't he help uh, Vin Diesel escape at the end of the first movie? 
I think it's a more of, um, and I'm not going to chase you. Oh, yeah. He does break him out of prison. Mm. At one, like in the later movies, oh. they're just working together. Right. They're just, they're now a special ops team, but funded by government dark money. Yeah. They take a weird turn at some point where Kurt Russell shows up and now they just do CIA ops in various countries. But, mm. but, but no, the original Fast and the Furious is just a point break with street racing. Yes. Yeah. Well, now it makes me want to watch it. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen. That. I need to, I need to sit down and watch it. I think you and Philip should watch it together and see. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, maybe we should do one for a podcast. Although, yeah. I mean, I feel like the first one could is rife for is it for real? I uh, like. Yeah, maybe it's old so. enough. It's from like the early aughts, which is right. like right on the edge of your time frame. Yeah. It spawned one of the most financially viable movie franchises of all time. Oh yeah. Okay, that's a really good. That's a good suggestion. All right. See, podcasters helping podcasters. That's what we're all about here. Who says this country is divided? I do. <laughs> I, I, still, I still say that. I, I still do, too. <laughs> all right. Well, I think, I mean, we can just spend the rest of this time talking about things that are awesome about this movie, right? The last hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, it's like. I, watching it last night, I was like, oh, this this first half is a bit of a slog. And then once it picks up, you're like, oh, no, this is I remember why I love mm-hmm. this movie so much now. Like from that second bank robber that ends with the shooting the gun in the air. Incredibly dangerous. Like hopefully he got out of the way of those bullets. So they're, they're coming back down fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I mean that chase, too. I mean, the hurt that you would be from that chase, of like breaking through doors, like like dogs biting you, like oh man, getting it's kicked. Wild. I I yeah. do love the. There's almost like a Looney Tunes level yes. to what's happening to Keanu, where a lady's like hitting him with a broom and a dog is biting him. Yeah, it, it's Oof. and and like that fall into the L.A. River there, like. Even if you have good knees, you don't anymore. Right. Which isn't yeah. that that he already he had a sports injury anyway. So right. he's not working with good <laughs> knees to begin with. I, I also can we just like we need to talk a lot about how great of a director Catherine Bigelow is. But that editing of the that scene, the fact that because Swayze is still wearing the Reagan mask, <laughs> there is a shot that is a close-up of the Reagan mask in his eyes. And first up, shout out to Patrick Swayze, who is doing so much acting with those eyes. Yeah. But it's like, it works. Like somehow in the editing, because that's when he turns back to be like, are you going to shoot me as I climb over this fence? And that's the moment. But it's all done through one of those masks that you were talking about and just one eye. And both directing and acting in that are truly phenomenal. Yeah. I think yeah. Swayze's underrated as an actor. I think because he's done so many cheesy flicks that uh, he actually was a very talented actor. And I think that gets forgotten about amongst the point breaks and the dirty dancings and all that is that he dude had chops, the roadhouses. He's got mm-hmm. real gravitas that may like he's so right for this part in that even mm-hmm. with everything we're saying, even though he sells out the ethos and even though it's too violent by the end you still find him credible somehow, which is a really special 
sort of magic act that he's pulling. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you get like being Johnny Utah, how you would just like fall in love with this guy. And he's doing terrible things. Like, that's the thing. Like Patrick Swayze, like Bodhi, Bodhisattva. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't On know the paper, last name. Wow. I'm impressed. Well, I think it's like it's some, you know, it's a Bodhisattva. It's like. Bodhisattva is like a a Hindu expression or a Buddhist expression for uh, attaining enlightenment. Right. And it was his alias. I think it's Laurie Petty that like almost whispers it. It's like, that's Bodhisattva. I'm like, oh God, (laughs) I I hope I can handle more of this. But um, he, like on paper, this guy is like so eye roll terrible. But Patrick Swayze's portrayal of this character, I mean, like I would I would follow Patrick Swayze to like New Zealand or wherever it is. Was it New Zealand, right? Or no, it's Australia. He's not going to paddle to New Zealand. It's yeah. Australia. That's where he is. Yeah. Um, well, that's. Yeah. I, it's pretty amazing. No, I think that's what happens is we fall in love with Patrick Swayze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, with Keanu, we, we, the audience are there with him of like, no, I, I want to, I want to rob some banks. Like I want to jump out of this plane and hug you to live. That's that's actually a really cool moment, too, where you almost forget like they are so adrenaline high, like they have this like special spot skydiving thing that you almost forget who's chasing who. And then it becomes like very real when they go into the van. But I don't know. Every time I rewatch it, even though that skydiving scene really comes out of nowhere and it's so wild, it is like. I don't know. They're just in love again. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Now, because you brought it up, too, I'm wondering if there is a version of this movie where the Lori Petty kidnapping doesn't happen. And it's just it's just like somehow he tricks Keanu into doing the mm-hmm. bank robbery without a mask. And that the, they're just it's just who's chasing who and who, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I that would have been good. Yeah, I think I think it was when. I think this is true. When Patrick Susie passed away, um, I can say died. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, he, Jennifer Gray, I think, said something about how he was like the perfect combination of great masculinity and grace, which I think is true. But in this movie, I think you need both too. You know, like he's like this bro, but he's also just like dancing through the movie. And he is, I don't know, he's like gentle yet, um, aggro at the same time yeah his character is a weird dichotomy of like both extremes of or both versions of like toxic and non-toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. right Um, and and, you know before that term was really in popular usage but he's like all the worst things about bros and all the best things about like male friendship like kind of rolled up into one character right and just yeah just a sexy relationship with keanu (laughs) Well, yes. And, and I do think all of his characters kind of have that. Because if you look at Roadhouse, there's he's right. gracefully doing roundhouse kicks while doing <laughs> roundhouse kicks. Like, right. like he's gracefully tearing a dude's throat out. It, but it yeah. is. And it's it, in, in that movie, too. It's like he has a co- he's good at a guy who has a code who's both soft and graceful and terrifying. I think that that's that's his yeah. wheelhouse. Yeah. And, and, and nothing he does seems out of character. No. Yeah. Like, it's just like when he when he roundhouse kicks a dude in the face and roadhouse, you're like, yep, that tracks when he tenderly, you know, romances Jennifer Grey and dances along to baby like, yeah, that also makes sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it all fits. And look, I mean, we I think it's clear that the three of us all love Keanu. I think that's fair to say Mm -hmm. uh, as well. And I I said it before, but just to, to reaffirm it here, like. 
this is maybe the quintessential Keanu role in that he gets to play both. Because he does two very, he's either Ted, Theodore Logan, or he's Neo. And I think this movie, he's Ted who, be, or like he's Neo who becomes Ted. I think. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. No, t- uh, I, I love Keanu Reeves. He has two gears. They are Ted, Theodore Logan, and Neo. Yeah. And this is one of those movies um, that like, he's actually responsible for delivering key dialogue in this movie in a way that he isn't in a lot of his other flicks. Hmm. But it works because he's Keanu. Also, and look, Katie, you did this scene, so maybe maybe you can talk more about it. But <laughs> yes. uh, but that that end scene, which so I mean, so much sexual tension. One, yeah. but but just but also just with a knife. But also just like the the soft talking of Patrick Swayze, who's somehow you can hear him over the rain, but he's not raising his voice at all. Versus yeah. the just unbridled intensity of Keanu of like I have he's to, like yeah. circling him <laughs> like a shark <laughs> yeah yeah also just trying not to make out with him is really what's happening oh yeah they if they kissed it would not feel out of place in any way in that scene oh no I know Heck, they if didn't... they kissed in the skydiving scene, it would have been like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> I know. It's so funny to think about the 2015 one because it's almost like they understood that the natural progression would be a romantic relationship and they went hard away from it. Like they were like, no, we're so such dudes that like, it almost like was like the characters were like wearing suits of armor. Like it was just, oh, it was just such a road out thing um which is probably why there's just like no chemistry between those characters that's always a bummer they they kind of did that in the transporter movies as well Mm -hmm. where there was this like way that you could read the first transporter movie where you could kind of read jason statham's character that way because he's like he doesn't have any romantic relationships with women and he he's always fighting guys while oiled up and it is this sort of like and it had this fan base that was into it for mm-hmm. that and then you could see that with that as well that in the sequels it was like now he has a girlfriend now now yeah. like we gotta make it clear and it, it really bumps they me realize out. all of that queer coding that was in the first and like ooh, maybe <laughs> yeah. that's what we wanted absolutely I, I think a lot of films do that when they like um I don't know. Or just like they steal it up and they just they just amplify like the things, all of the things that the audience like could kind of take or leave and they just forget all of the charm and they just like, I don't know. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's like. If if Point Break were made more recently, there would be continuing adventures of Johnny Utah, like there would be more Johnny Utah films. And I think that's probably why this movie works so well is that it wasn't ruined by anything is that it's this like this movie sort of stands alone by itself as like a self-contained mm-hmm. yeah beautiful romance between <laughs> Bodie and Johnny well and the worst thing is they definitely would have done this in that maybe the sequel Johnny Utah gets brought back in I, I guess like I don't know his his old partner needs him to help with one more case or something but then the the post credit scene in that would be Patrick Swayze swimming to shore somewhere. <laughs> I know. I mean, as a kid too, I feel like I wasn't quite sure he was dead because you can see it. You know, like it's not like he totally disappears. You're like there he is. 
It's well, right there. Well, I mean, <laughs> you've got a helicopter. You have all of these people on the shore. Like you have the whole Coast Guard there. <laughs> well, to kind of like compliment this movie and in, in, uh, compare it to a, another film that I, I really do love. Like it, it almost has a Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid ending in mm. that like the end of that movie is those two characters going out to their death. But it stops it before that because happens. of that freeze frame it yeah. can be anything right. right 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 and i think that's what this is doing is like he's gonna die just if you right. play it out but the movie knows to end it on the triumphant he's right right he's going out on his own terms moment yeah, yeah. That's, that's why you want the wrestler climbing to the top rope and then cutting before he yeah. delivers the ram jam yeah right right yeah that's another good one too yeah you know, he definitely dies. There's, it's unmistakable. Yeah. But it's funny, though, because in all of these movies, I have heard people be like, well, he could have lived like there, there's always <laughs> someone they want it. Yeah. They want it. Yeah. But maybe that is the brilliance. I just want him to live to just catch another better wave. <laughs> like, just catch a good one. <laughs> Have Your last ride be good. And then you can go. Yeah. yeah. And not just half acid through this monster wave and intentionally. Oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I know he just falls forward. He doesn't even write it. Um, I feel like w w uh, it, it occurs to me, like, you know, John, like the idea of Johnny Utah coming back and working with his partner just makes me think of how I feel sa saddened by Angelo's death in this movie. Like the, the Gary Busey, it reminds me kind of like of Rufio's death in Hook. And you're like, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Are we not going to give, I mean, any time to this? No. Nope. It's pretty wild how much, I mean, he's such a big part of the movie and then it's like, see ya, uh, as he flies well, and, off. And Keanu um, and Johnny Utah and Pappas have a pretty good relationship. Yes, like I think it's, so. It's not fun like mentor-mentee, but they are colleagues that care about and respect each other. Totally. And he just moves the F on after right. he gets shot in the back with a shotgun. I yeah. know, which is like totally Johnny Utah's fault. I mean, yeah. like the whole thing. Um, because he does kind of blur the lines a little bit of like, wait, are you working this case? Or are you, you know, hanging out with your pals? So, right. oh man. Yeah, I had kind of forgotten that. And then like with rewatching, I was like, whoa. Well, I, like, which is weird because it almost, to your point, like doesn't have to happen because it doesn't motivate him to do anything differently than he would have done. Right. It's just like, that's just, he's just like this terrible like casualty. No, it has literally no impact on his life whatsoever. Yeah. Well, honestly, if, if Busey was there at the end, sort of struggling to get down to the beach in time, you know, as he's letting. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> he could have just Sun been crunches. there. Ball yeah. sub in hand. Well, which, okay, yeah. Can we talk about that? Because first of all, it is his <laughs> entire fault that all of this happened because they could have stopped them in the bank. But also just that shot might be my favorite shot in the entire movie of Keanu getting the meatball subs while a bank robbery happens over his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> That's a Looney Tune shot right there. Yeah. That is that is Elmer Fudd ordering something while Bugs Bunny is up to his hijinks in the background. It's it's so well like just shot like the way that it's yeah. framed is perfect and it's it gives me so much joy when they all run in. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of this cool. movie that like it it shouldn't work as well as it does but i think that speaks to how good a director catherine mm -hmm. bigelow is like because if you explain that shot to anybody like that sounds dumb and cliched but it's yeah. so good right it's so well, good and even especially for the time i think the surfing shots which i think you can tell are filmed during the day like when they're night surfing it's like whoa yeah. like it's very good grayscale or whatever but i mean i know that's not the term for it but you know you can like tell but like 
I don't think there was a ton of like surfing photography like that, that, you know, like that was like a, some, and it's still so good. It looks really cool and sounds really cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy to think like what they could have done now with GoPros. Again, it's funny that there is this remake that sounds terrible, yeah. but like, I think they literally used GoPro. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Catherine Bigelow had given them some tips. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, look, I, all I know is like Catherine Bigelow, uh, you know, seems to be the the king of underwater photography and water photography. And for sure that I think that that she's the king of the world when it comes to that. Stuff. Right. <laughs> she's a titanic force in filmmaking. <laughs> uh, I haven't forgotten that. He... <laughs> <laughs> It is interesting to have seen Blue Steel in the lead up to Point Break. And you kind of do. I remember thinking that when we watched Blue Steel of how much it seemed like a draft for Point Break of just like the story. But then the shots, too. I mean, like when they're on the ground at the the mini mart and, you know, like there's a lot of like the same kind of like um, scene layouts and stuff. Yeah, she seems to perfect it in Point Break. I agree, which is a shame that there she didn't do ten more action movies in the nineties. Yeah, honestly. I know, right? Yeah. No, she's she's really phenomenal. <laughs> I love Catherine Bigelow as a director. Oh, yeah, she's great. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's clear that she really is into that theme of who's the real villain, the cop or the criminal. Yeah, because that shows up in most of her eighty percent. I guess of her you're films. right. I guess. Yeah, I should have done my research, but all I'm thinking of is like the Hurt Locker. And then, well, there's definitely a meditation on who's the real villain in that. Like, oh yeah, totally. What are the other? What are zero dark thirty? Same thing. Oh, of course. Yeah, there's there's definitely like who who is who are the bad guys? Right. You know, do the ends justify the means? Like, there's a lot of those themes that keep showing up again and again. I forgot. Even like Strange Days is sort of hits on a lot of that stuff too. I haven't seen that one. It's a movie. Yeah. Okay. Did she do um, the movie 13 or am I thinking about somebody else? I think that's someone else. Okay. Yeah. Scratch I don't remember. that. Yeah, I don't remember who did that. It wouldn't have fit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a different kind of tone. Uh, um, yeah. But what I, about the like the tweens and like drug yeah. use? That one? No, that's uh it's not Why? Catherine Bigelow. It's but somebody it is, different. Yes, it is someone different. Got it. By the way, just because we mentioned it before, I, I want to say this again too in the silver linings part of just I think these are the most iconic masks that anyone wears for robberies in a movie and i feel like a lot of movies have tried to have that since this where there's Mm -hmm. like we gotta have cool masks in like the town they wear the nun Mm -hmm. masks or whatever you're right there's a bunch of there's a lot of the town is very much a ripoff of of this and heat Mm, yeah yeah but he has the hockey masks which is roughly around the same time right but that's what i mean i think it became i don't know i i can't say for sure like it became a a thing because of this movie but i think the masks in this movie are so iconic that i think you're right that there's definitely like a we have to have iconic masks for the bank robbers to wear they can't just be i mean there's i mean you could even like the opening scene of the Dark Knight with the clown masks. It's not mm-hmm. miles away from this. I mean, it's a little bit more Michael Mann and, and, and Heat, but it's still cut from this very oh, similar cloth. Also, let's just say it. OK, we can finally get into this. What is the end of the Dark Knight, if not their version of uh, Keanu and Patrick Swayze? Joker's hanging up. <laughs> Joker's hanging upside down saying we're destined to do this forever. Like they it's the That's same. That's true. Yeah. 
Can't you see that you love each other? <laughs> just kiss. Yeah. Just kiss. Just kiss. <laughs> and if, if Keith Ledger and Christian Bale had started making out and been like, you know what? That, yep. That yeah. tracks. And they could have done, that would have been a superhero. That would have been like the Spider-Man because he's upside down. So they could have right. done an upside down kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, they missed, missed opportunities. It really is. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't covered? Did we, did we do it? I, I want to say again that Gary Busey's awesome. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Pappas is, he's great as, as Angelo Pappas in this. I love that he wants oh, two meatball subs. <laughs> two. <laughs> Oh, one more thing I want to shout out. Uh, one of my faves, John C. McGinley. I was oh, yeah. going to say. Yeah. I love John C. McGinley. This, and I mean, I want to clear Dr. Scrubs, right? Yes. He's like, Dr. That's who we're Cox, talking about. Yeah. Scrubs, yes. He, he, to me, I think that, I mean, because I watched this movie so young, I was like, oh, that's just like Point Break. Like, I don't think I understood that these were like common tropes, <laughs> but <laughs> the trope of like walking and talking and this like totally upset, angry, again, like hate watching the case that you're supervising guy. I just always think of this guy. Like, I don't think I'd seen it before. And I'm like, oh, yes. Like any improv scene I ever did, I tried to basically <laughs> reconstruct <laughs> this dynamic somehow. Um, and he's so good at it. He's so, oh, my God. And it's the same. It's Dr. Cox, but in oh. the FBI. Oh, for <laughs> sure. He didn't audition for Scrubs. They just watched this. Right? And offered yeah. him the part. That's our guy. We'll yeah. go with totally. him. Yeah. No, because it's, yeah. You If you just told me this guy becomes a doctor, that the, it's the same guy like he is literally not any different in either yeah no, it's um and he's great yeah he is and, so one-dimensional but i mean that in a positive way <laughs> yeah he, he knew the assignment exactly yeah. yes i i think i already did but i would want to call out laurie petty for i think yeah. really like hanging with because it's so funny like usually we talk a little bit about like um the the bechdel test which i assume you all are familiar yeah, yeah. with yeah. Familiar with that? yeah and it's funny how badly this movie fails it, but because Laurie Petty is so awesome, it doesn't like jump out at me it, because she's such an awesome main character. She's probably like one of the more likable actual people in the film. She um, feels she doesn't feel like a movie character in this no, movie. She right. feels a little bit more real than everybody else. Totally. Um, I love what she brings to it. I love when he says, my name is Johnny Utah and she swims away and puts her hands up and is just like, who cares? Like, <laughs> I love it. Like the way she says it, the how, how annoyed she is with him from the beginning. Yeah, I, I, I love I love her in this movie. Yeah, but she's great. No, I totally the all the beginning scenes where he's trying to get her to help are great. And I also do appreciate that this movie does find the time. And I think it's important to have her realize you lied to me about your parents dying in order to, like, get my help and plays the truth of that. And she gets to actually be angry at him. Yeah. After she shoots and misses, she like, wow, what a what a freebie. (laughs) like oh she could have yes. hit him she wanted to admit that see that's she must her have. i mean you yeah. aim at someone's face yeah. oh my gosh yeah that's her version of shooting up in the air exactly is, she's she, so she, good yeah. she's like right here yeah <laughs> which also I, I feel like he should have some tinnitus or something like you know like oh uh, yeah can you imagine <laughs> yeah oh, just a ruptured eardrum at a minimum uh, yeah, yeah. Plus skydiving without any protective gear whatsoever. No goggles, no helmet, no I don't feel anything. like they had enough time when they pulled that shoot. I think both of them are not okay. They didn't. They yeah. didn't. Yeah. Because they hit so hard, you yeah. know? Yeah. I yeah. I agree. 
And they landed. Oh, well, the first time they do it, they land in the ocean, right? Yeah. Yeah, Which is they, not a good plan. No. <laughs> well, especially... Yeah. I'm going to land in the unforgiving sea no, no, with a bunch with, of strings coming right, out of my back. Right, yeah. Like, that's how people die in, like, boats. Like, they just get tied up in rope and stuff. Um, yeah, wild. And then the second time, it's like you hear all their bones break when they hit the ground. Yeah, like, yeah. No, yeah, they're, neither one of them are running away after that. And the psycho that you have to be to jump out of a plane without a chute and think you're going to... I like can't handle that that idea of just like, and could you catch up? You know, like, could you catch up to somebody? And you could. You could catch up if you <laughs> Myth, like make yourself really yes. aerodynamic and somebody else. I mean, I guess the whole point of skydiving is is that you're trying to like you know ride the wind so that you have more time. So if he, if if Johnny Utah is like super you know straight arrow i guess he could catch up well every time i watch it i'm like oh. yeah they, they, the the mythbuster sex i was reading about it um you he could theoretically catch up to him no way would they have survived uh opening the shoot as low as they did right interesting and could I, you because a big thing too is like he has to let go of the gun if he if the shoot opens up right he you can't he wouldn't be able to hold on to him with one hand that's the other thing right right well, can and you hold on that. to him with two hands? Do they test that? Like, like a koala? Like, can you like even... you might break your back or something. But it also just feels like it would be hard to hold on to. Like, once the chute comes out and the force right. pulls him up, can can you hold on? It would probably pull him out of his grip. Right, that's what I'm saying. Right. Is he, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he, yeah I think he would fall. All right. Um, oh, so scary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was reading that um Patrick Swayze got really into skydiving. Yeah, like he was he, an avid skydiver. Yeah, and that a lot of the scenes because is it Keanu Reeves? They all that's that's all shot in the air, right? Or is a lot of it was camera tricks? I think they did one real jump to get some of the footage. But, okay, um, most yeah. of the rest is camera tricks. I guess that makes sense. But I think a lot of like Patrick Swayze's is maybe like I think he like yeah well, loved it. And they even he said that like um, the 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 insurers for the movie wouldn't let Patrick Swayze jump as often yes, as he did. That's but whenever right. he had downtime, he would go jump. <laughs> yeah, but like, he just go think... for for funsies. Right, and that's what was so cool about. Um, like the movie too, when it first came out is like, I don't think we had a lot of great footage skydiving either. Like, cause that was kind of like newer or this, this level mm. of skydiving, which again, like the 2015 movie, I think thinks that like, that's what we want to see. And now there's so much footage of all of that stuff. And it just seems so narcissistic. Just, you go to YouTube and there's so right, much that's phenomenally shot. Yeah, totally. But this still, when you, I mean, still when I watch this movie and you see like the surfing and the skydiving, it's beautiful. It's not like aggro. It's like, it's filmed really like beautifully, which I think well, it's definitely, well. you can see like the Warren Miller influences. Totally. And, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think we did it. Yeah, we, we did no, it. We did it. All right. Well, hard job this week. Let me tell you. <laughs> All right. Well, Tall order. But by the way, I do have one question before we wrap up, which is where did you guys end the scene? Like when you reenacted? Like, oh, yeah. Um, I threw my badge. So I, have, of course, was Keanu Reeves and Phil, of course, is sure. Patrick Swayze. Yeah, yeah. Um, and That's I started. I it. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I started by like, I think I was behind the couch saying like, there's a swell of the North Shore. Like I was like doing the New Zealand or the Australian like radio okay. you know because yeah, yeah, yeah. we didn't have three it's people a 50 year storm it's a 50 year storm <laughs> yeah exactly so heaven forbid we ask one of our friends to do that i was like no no it's just us two like yeah. he'll made playbills and everything it was wild 
but I think we ended with me. He must have like dove. I mean, I had a boogie board. He used a boogie board. Okay. He must have like dove somewhere and I threw my badge into the ocean. Okay. And then we waited for applause. Yeah, yeah, which was thunderous, I'm sure. How how many minutes did the standing ovation last? Right, yeah, yeah. just deafening. Talk yeah. about tend- like tinnitus or you know yeah. eardrum bursting. I think people were so confused with what was happening. Yeah, well, I think you're hanging out with the wrong people because that I sounds agreed. That sounds this amazing. Was, I think this was before we found improv. <laughs> We needed, you know, some kind of outlet of like somebody we need some. we have to, you know, if yeah. we're going to perform in front of 12 people, they might as well be the theater. <laughs> they might as well know what we're doing. Exactly. <laughs> they have some context for it and it's consensual. Yeah. That's the, the most important part. Is there, there's not video of this, is there? Oh, no, I wish. Phil oh. still has the playbill that he'll okay. sometimes put on Facebook. I'll, I'll ask him to share the playbill. Okay. I don't think there's any footage. Oh, um, shame. <laughs> I wish. Well, I wish. Well, maybe for some reunion you i think you guys have to do this again at some point i know i know for we did this um on um is it for real for phil's birthday and i think bridget and i read another scene but then phil got so jealous that i think he cut himself (laughs) into it later (laughs) because i one thing it's like oh this is kind of a terrible present for his birthday because he you know like i'm cutting him out of his own you know movie um but yeah i know happy birthday you get to watch other people act in your favorite movie right right i know i don't know i thought that'd be a good idea was was Uh, yeah bridget gary Busey. I think so. Right. I think it was between. Again, I'll have that's to redo how I cast it. it. Yeah. Yes, this is, I think it was. Yeah. I think I was still Keanu. Probably. No, I assumed <laughs> you were still Keanu. Right. So I was assuming yeah. it was a Keanu Gary Busey scene. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I did. I, I think so because I didn't want to, you know, recast Patrick Swayze right. like that. Yeah, well, yeah. And the weird thing was that Tom Sizemore was just there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Sizemore. We don't talk about Tom Sizemore. Oh my god. That's gosh. okay. Who also, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like this is the, he's Steel. in both. Yeah, he's in both movies. That's, he's the connection. Yeah. That's right. He's oh he's gosh, Catherine Bigelow's scene. muse, apparently. I know. Oh my gosh. I know. All right. Well, <sighs> we've we've mentioned your podcast a few times, but just uh to make sure that people are aware of it, it's called Is It For Real? Uh do you want to tell people a little bit more yeah, about it? Yeah. Is it for real? Because Silver linings playback was taken. Um, I, the <laughs> so no, our our premise is um less the uh, conceit that these are maligned movies, but it's more of like movies that you remember. So the rule is that they have to be twenty years old. But we kind of just like um talk about review our feedback on chat as good pals about um, movies from at least twenty years ago to see whether or not they indeed are for real, which is a, quite a subjective rating. Yeah, it changes podcast to podcast. <laughs> Unlike this podcast, that this is the law. Like whatever exactly. we decide Very is defined. definitive. Yeah, there's a science. <laughs> These right. are objective. the silver linings. These are objective. Objectively, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, it's a great podcast, and uh, all three of you are delightful people. Yeah, it's a very fun listen. You should definitely check it. If you like this podcast, I can't imagine not liking. Is it for real? Thank you. I, I agree. I'm a big fan of both. So hopefully other people will be too. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else that you want to make people aware of or anything? Or? I don't think so. I think next month on the pod, we're going to be doing, I think this is true, um, Death Becomes Her as a dual um, promotion with Creative Alliance, who's doing an interactive movie night with Death Becomes Her. Ooh. So yeah, which we've not done before. So that should be fun. Um, Synergy. I know, I know. And 
I mean, as always, I guess I want to say like less guns, more surf, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. This is Philip. And Katie. And Bridget. And we're three friends who like movies. Especially movies of yore when we were small and everything seemed awesome. Now we're revisiting these bright shining beacons of our youth and figuring out if they are for real. So sit back and relax and revisit the best. The worst. And everything in between from the 80s and 90s. And find out. Is, is it for, for real? real?